This podcast contains language and subject matter some may find offensive. Keep out of reach of children and the elderly. This is Canadian Spirit. Hello and welcome to Canadian Spirit, the podcast hosted by two paranormal investigators who utilize, I don't know why I emphasize too, but okay. We're two paranormal <laughs> investigators that utilize what we've learned in the field and apply it to our nation's most famous and infamous paranormal events. I'm your host, Kelly McMillan, and with me, as always, is the fascinating, the charismatic, the founder of Spirit himself, Darcy Baruda. Hello, hello, hello. How is everybody this evening? Well, I'm doing okay, Darcy. Um, I do have one thing that I need to talk to you about, though. All right, shoot. All right, so... People who have been following uh, Canadian Spirit on Twitter, that's at uh, Spirit underscore Canadian for anybody who's not. Yeah. And I don't know why you're not, but they will know that prior to the release of this episode that I have made a breakthrough on extraterrestrials, Darcy. That's cool. I'll tell us about it. I'm going to tell you about it right now. They've been but they've been alongside us this entire time. Really? Hiding in the shadows. Three feet tall, gray in color, great big black eyes, weird hands. Darcy, raccoons are aliens. <laughs> that would make sense, I suppose. Have you ever noticed how UFOs look like trash can lids? Somewhat, yeah. I'm telling you, it all makes sense. I guess if you really think about it, yeah. <laughs> I could see the look that you're giving me over Zoom right now, and it's like, has this guy finally lost his fucking mind? Oops. Jeez, I didn't realize my video camera was on. I'm thinking, how in the hell did you see me? You but, always oh, yeah. have your camera on. Shit. I, I see Sorry. all, Darcy. I see all. I know. I think I'm beginning to really think that you're a psychic, man. Uh, I don't know. I've been told a couple of times that I have psychic abilities, but that's usually just because I'm perceptive, which is something that is rare nowadays. Hey, do you, do you ever get these? I'm going to stop you for a second, Kelly. Sure. While we're on the subject of psychic abilities, do you ever get to go to bed at night, you get these dreams that you're flying around the room, or you're flying outside, like your, your whole body's just kind of hovering everywhere? Oh, oh, yeah, for sure. Now, what does that mean? Because I've been having those night after night after night for the past... Oh, God, I guess it would be going on two years now. I think as far as like flying dreams are concerned, at least according to the traditional interpretation of the dreams, it usually means that you're trying to escape from something. Yeah, I guess it's not really like flying. It's more like uh, floating or hovering. Right? I guess it's the same thing. Pretty much. Okay, some would say that you're um, experiencing what's called astral projection, but I'm not sure how much I believe, how much I buy into that myself well i don't know man it's just it's so bizarre because it's so real oh i don't doubt it uh do you ever lucid dream oh what sorry do you ever do lucid dreaming it's where you can actually control the dream yourself yes that's where oh. my flying comes in i'll oh, be dreaming okay. that I'm, like just for last night for instance I, I dreamt that i was being chased i was still living in the okanagan and i was being chased by these bad guys through the orchards mm -hmm. and then i realized that this is my dream. I should control it. Wow. Lucid dreaming is actually a pretty rare ability, Darcy. That's pretty impressive. 
Well, I thought to myself, I'm in a dream, my dream. I can should be able to control my dream. So to get away from these guys, I decided to take get a run down the hill and take off through the air and fly to the other side of the uh, Kalamalk Lake just yeah. to get away. That is some pretty cool stuff, man. I didn't know that you could lose a dream. That's new on me. Really? Well, I mean, yeah. it knows a lot. Like, it's just, it lately, just lucid dreams. Not not every night's in a lucid dream, but most nights. Okay, right on. Yeah, and uh, I thought, well, this is, you know, like, what's what's going on here? Is there some kind of meaning to all this, or? No, it just, it just shows that you're in full control <laughs> of, uh, essentially, your dream world, right? You're able to make the events happen because you can, you, you have the ability to realize when you're not in an actual state of reality, that you're actually in a type of mind, uh, like a mind stage that you can control. Right. Don't you, you don't get those. No, I never have. Actually, I can only recall once that I ever had a lucid dream, but that's the only, uh, that's the only time. Oh, Hmm. yeah, it's pretty bizarre. Like I say, I don't always get them, but when I can control them, it's a lot easier on me because like last night, I was just having that elusive dream, and and I'm running, trying to get and these guys are gaining on me, and I'm running and running, trying to find a place to hide for a second, right? Mm-hmm. And then I thought, I'm on, on my own here, but this is my dream, so how can these guys attack me in my own dream, right? Yeah. Now the fact that you can actually differentiate that you're in a dream, uh, as opposed to being in reality, which most of us are act are like that. We see our dreams as essentially like an extension of reality we can't really tell that we're dreaming right so yeah no that is a very rare ability darcy that's pretty impressive that you have that well thanks for sharing that at least i know a little bit more on that now because i thought it was pretty bizarre anyway we're on the topic of paranormal and uh and um and if anybody else out there gets dreams like that i i would love to hear it or we would love to hear it so if you could send a maybe if anybody out there has some advice for me or could Explain this to me a little bit more too, just like Kelly did. Please send us some feedback. Yeah, for sure. That you can send that to our email. That's spiritinstitutegp at gmail.com. Yeah, thank you. That would be much appreciated. Anyways, Kelly, carry on. Yeah, you betcha. Uh well, moving on here, uh, we're gonna say a big shout out to new nations that have joined into this uh this madhouse that we've created, including India, Brazil, Japan. And Russia. Russia. You're kidding? We're getting that much feedback already, Kelly, from these places, these you countries? Bet, you betcha. We're being listened to in 21 countries worldwide. Russia well, kind of concerns me, though. Why is that? <laughs> because I, I made that fake ad about Vladimir Putin. I hope it's not that Vladimir... Oh, yeah. yeah, I hope that Vladimir Putin isn't the one that's listening. Uh, Vladimir Putin was joke. Funny joke. Yeah, Kelly, what, <laughs> what's up, man? You're us into some hot water here with some people here they jesus man yes please don't kill me mr putin yes and uh, i also want to say to all the countries that are tuning into our our podcast we really really appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts we really appreciate it so thank you very much to all of you countries that are doing this japan china all the countries out there thank you so much means an awful lot to us yeah for sure we're also getting a lot of a lot more uh, followers on Twitter here. Uh, we'll move on to the new Twitter follower shoutouts now. Shout out to Jesse Bear, Bodacious Family, Portal Nerd, Awfully Irish Podcast, Spaceships Podcast, 
They just debuted with their first episode. I'm looking forward to listening to it. Then we have Steve, the great and powerful Steve. What do you want? Then we have Guru at the uh, FAM305 podcast. Uh, Quit the Build Gaming podcast, which is another Canadian podcast. So go and check them out. Uh, Theartofcrime.ca, Kevin Green, Rose Bundy, E14 podcast, NWBS podcast, Megan Miles, Abby and Amy Know Nothing. That's another podcast. Sarah Poltron, I think I pronounced that right. Across the Veil and The Forgotten. We that also have cool. we also have some new five star reviews to give shout outs to. Uh, a big thank you to Steve and Emmy from the Misfits and Mysteries podcast for leaving us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, and of course, much love to our brother podcast and pair of Brits who we know and love here on Canadian Spirit, Alex and Will from the out from the What the Flip podcast for their five star review on Podchaser. We're actually going to be doing a uh, joint project with them in the upcoming months, so. Uh, when that comes yeah, up, yeah, really hyped should... about that. Oh, That's definitely. Cool. Yeah, they they want us to go on their their show and solve a mystery. So I I think I'm up for that challenge, Darcy. How about you? Hey, I, I'm psyched. Looking forward to joining you guys. That's awesome. Yeah, no, for sure. We'll move on next to Kelly's Campfire Tale, where I take you, the listener, on a paranormal journey using my mediocre storytelling ability. You find yourself sitting at the edge of a pristine lake deep in the Yukon Territory enjoying the peace and solitude that only the depths of the arctic wilderness can offer you. The distant nighttime calls of birds and the waves lapping at the shoreline is nothing short of bliss for your tired, weary soul. It feels good to be so far from civilization and from the stresses of everyday life. You lean back, taking in a deep breath of the crisp, clean air as you close your eyes. Yes, bliss. That's how you'd describe it. It only feels like moments before you reopen your eyes, but you find yourself wondering, did I fall asleep? The night sky is now brightly lit, almost blindingly so. You squint, confusion flooding your mind as you try to wrap your head around just how long you'd been asleep when you realize something. The birds are still singing their nighttime songs. You stiffen as you look up at the lights above you, noticing that the sky is still indeed dark. The stars that you have been gazing at not a moment before are now blotted out by a titanic shape in the night sky, oblong, almost cigar shape, with numerous colorful lights shining down on you as the gigantic mass floats above the lake. You stare, unable to comprehend the size or the nature of what you're looking at. It's larger than a hockey stadium, and yet seemingly giving nature itself the middle finger, it stays aloft in the air. You tremble, and maybe soil yourself a little, as the object lazily drifts forward, disappearing over the hills in the distance. What was it? How could something so big possibly fly? Where are you going to find a new pair of pants? You shakily get to your feet, and stare off into the distance. Whatever that thing was, you believe it couldn't have come from this planet. Yeah, without a little... What are you, Elmer Fudd? Jesus Christ, more like Porky Pig, fuck. What I'm trying to say was, is... Was that Porky Pig that did that or um, whatever? You know, you yeah, and no, Porky, Porky Pig did the stutter and Elmer Fudd did the... Uh, he talked like this, the wabbit. 
the wabbit. Oh yeah, okay. <clears throat> okay, and now we Moving move on. on to Canadian Spirit Chronology. For the first time ever in this podcast, we're heading up to the Yukon Territory to look up a lesser known but still incredible UFO sighting. We also have some groundbreaking news on it that has not yet been reported, so stay tuned for that. But before we dive in, we're going to take a look at the history of the areas in, in this story. First of, all, first, first of all, Fox Lake. Fox Lake in the Yukon is a popular camping and fishing spot in the Yukon Territory, which you can fish for Arctic graylings, Lake Whitefish, Northern Pike, according to the Angler Atlas anyway. The lake itself is 17 kilometers or 11 miles long and it runs alongside the Klondike Highway. An hour down the highway from Fox Lake, we reach the town of Carmax. Carmax is a small Yukon village with a modest population of 503 as per the 2011 census, so it's probably off being over a decade old, but that's the latest statistics that I could find. Carmax is located on the Yukon River, 175 kilometers downstream from Whitehorse, which is the capital city for those who not in the know, now you know. The town was named after George Washington Carmack, no relation to the United States president, who built a cabin in the area in 1893 in, from which he traded furs. Carmack also found coal at the site and in 1896 was one of the three prospectors who staked the claim on a mine that touched off the Klondike Gold Rush. Carmax predictably grew during the Gold Rush as a supply point and fuel stop for riverboats. But when the Gold Rush was all done, Carmax lived on as a service center for travelers in the Klondike and the Campbell Highways. And the next place we have to look at is Pelly Crossing. Pelly Crossing is a community in the Klondike Highway that crosses Pelly River. Hence the name. Back in 2008, the population here was 291. The area was once home to the Selkirk First Nations, and it's home to, I hope I pronounced this right, Tushone culture. And it's displayed proudly there in a myriad of different ways. For the sake of not offending our Northern listeners, I'll just leave that up to your Google prowess because I can't begin to pronounce a lot of the words necessary to describe what what needs to be described. And honestly, it's becoming kind of a running joke on this podcast, the fact that my stupid, fat, white man tongue can't pronounce shit, so... And hey, don't feel bad, man. I'm not no better than... <laughs> yeah. I try. I really do. I hope the listeners oh, know yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, it exists exists mainly as a monument to the Selkirk and Tushone culture and is a common stop for a lot of Yukon travelers. So the date in question for this case that we're going to be looking at is December 11th, 1996, in which over 17 eyewitnesses reported a gigantic craft that flew across the Yukon skies and along the Klondike Highway. Now, we're not going to cover all of the eyewitness testimonies here because that would make this episode the longest we've ever done. And frankly, it would probably drive half of our listeners to drugs and alcohol. Who are we kidding? You're probably already on drugs and alcohol. So we'll start with the first confirmed eyewitness. And a bit of a note before we get into it. 
all the eyewitness names have been redacted from all official reports. So we're going to be referring to the witnesses the same way that UFOBC has in their extensive coverage of the event by the location and the number associated with the witness giving the testimony. For example, if the witness was the first one to see it in Pelly Crossing, we'll refer to them as Pelly One. So with that confusion nipped in the bud, we'll start with Fox One. Fox One was driving home on the Klondike Highway around 8 p.m. on the night in question when he was about two and a half kilometers from the northern tip of the lake. He noticed a bright white light off the north northwest out over the lake. He didn't think much of it and kept watching the light as he drove. As he did so, he passed by the Fox Lake campground where he saw two vehicles parked alongside the rail. And we'll get back to that in a minute. Fox One continued north, and when he got just past the northern tip of the lake, he noticed that the light was, quote, was shining down a smooth and gentle curve, end quote. So he surmised that it must be a vehicle shining its headlights down the curved surface of the highway. He took some comfort in this until he realized that it would be impossible for that to be the case, as there was no highway in that direction. Fox One then noticed that after being blinded by a semi-truck's headlights, he lost sight of the object for a bit before sighting it again, although closer this time. Describing it as three rows, three rows of rectangular lights drifting slowly and disappearing over a hill. Fox One was quoted in the report as saying, quote, It looked like, you know, kind of like when you see the Enterprise on Star Trek do a slow motion pass by the camera. It gave me an exhilarating feeling, end quote. Fox One continued down the road another 50 kilometers before stopping at Brayburn Lodge, which is a stop along the Alaska Highway, which is famous for its enormous cinnamon buns. No, seriously, these fucking things are gigantic. They're the size and of the entire... good. Yeah. Oh, you've been there? Of course. Passed Bra- through there. Really? Yeah, it was awesome. Wow, it's been about any long... But it, it's good. They do make really good cinnamon buns there. Anybody go right passing through there, I'd strongly suggest you stop and try their cinnamon buns. They're awesome. Yeah, no, like, these things are the size of an entire dinner plate. They're enormous. Yeah, I know. So, you have to have a good appetite. Yeah, no, I, I think that the Honorable Sir Mix-a-Lot's Anaconda would have a field day, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, big time. <laughs> uh Anyway, we're getting off track. Um, yeah, cinnamon buns. and uh, 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 f- All right, here we go. Fox One stepped in at Braeburn Lodge and told his story to the owner of the establishment, Steve Watson, presumably saying, that goddamn alien ship was probably the size of one of your cinnamon buns, man. <laughs> we come back to the cinnamon buns. It's always to the cinnamon buns. Oh, uh, he, you must have cinnamon buns on your I think I'm a little hungry, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Fox One drew a picture of the craft for Steve, who was a bit of a UFO believer himself. After this brief visit, Fox One got back in his car and made his way back to CarMax without any further sightings. Fox Two and Fox Three were traveling along the convoy, in a convoy of two vehicles heading toward Whitehorse or from Whitehorse to CarMax on the Klondike Highway. Fox Two was traveling about one mile or 1.6 kilometers ahead of Fox Three and they were traveling adjacent to Fox Lake on the northern heading. Uh, When their trip started to get a little weird, Fox 2 had spotted a gigantic object with a row of lights hovering out over the lake, and after doing a cartoonish style double take and skidding to a stop on the icy roads, he got out of his vehicle and looked up at the highway 
for or looked up the highway for his cousin Fox 3 and saw him approaching. He could see that he had spotted the UFO as well as he was fishtailing all over the goddamn road. Wow, that's you know, quite the story. Yeah, uh, you know, as one does when they're confronted with an off-worldly vehicle. Well, exactly. So Fox 2 turned back to look at the object and noticed that the craft was slowly moving toward him. He could see that the UFO had a solid, smooth surface, and in a few minutes, the edge of the craft was already directly over him. The only detail that he remembered while looking at the object's undercarriage, can we call it that? Anyway, the only detail that he could recall was a large white light in the center. Can you imagine what would be going through his mind at that point? I can't even come close to imagine what would be going through his mind. I mean, you're, you're looking at this thing that is gigantic by all accounts. We're actually going to get into the size of it a little bit later, but you're looking at this gigantic thing that defies essentially your known laws of flight and it's passing directly overhead. This is also in 1996 when, you know, the X-Files was big on TV. So that wasn't that long ago, really. Not really, no. All right, so wow, Fox... Yeah. So during this, Fox 2 decided to get out his two-way radio to see that so that he could relate what he was seeing to anyone who would listen. But all he got was static. Now, stick a pin in this because this is not the only electrical disturbance that we're going to be seeing in this case. Uh, it was at this point that Fox 2 then attempted communicating with the UFO by turning his headlights on and off. But as the UFO started to make its way back over him and his cousin, Fox 2 thought that maybe what he was doing was potentially dangerous and shut his headlights off per entirely. After that, the craft continued to travel slowly eastward and out of sight over the hill. Yeah, after this, two other motorists, who are listed as Fox 4 and Fox 5, came across the two cousins after traveling southbound on that same highway. So they were traveling on the opposite heading of these two. The four of them spoke for a while in regards to what they had seen before parting ways. Fox 2 and Fox 3 then made their way to Braeburn Lodge and, like Fox 1, related what they saw to Steve Watson, the owner who relayed the experience of Fox 1, who Fox 2 and Fox 3 recalled watching leave the lodge as they were pulling in. So you can kind of get a taste of like just how small this community really is, right? Because like it's like, oh yeah, John saw that thing. Oh yeah, we just saw him leave. We're going to explore a couple of more witness testimonies, explore the analysis of the craft, and reveal some stunning new information right after this short break from a fellow Canadian podcaster. Be sure to give them a listen and subscribe to their podcast. You know what to do. You're listening to this one. We'll be right back. My fellow citizens, our Earth is in the middle of a crisis, plunging deeper into chaos. No, I feel your pain and your loss. We can't stand idly by and let this happen. We must rise up and... <coughs> Sorry. Damn it. Well, this is awkward. Hi, my name is Josh Shell, and I am the host of the Let's Start a Cult podcast, where each episode, myself and some guests take a look at different cults from around the world, for educational purposes only, and definitely not to start our own cult. Join me every other week as we break down dangerous religious cults, political extremist groups, and every other kind of cult in between. Should I apologize for the terrible southern accent no okay subscribe and listen to let's start a cult anywhere you listen to podcasts 
we're back. So we're going to be skipping over some of the other accounts because, well, we don't really have enough time for that, as we said before. But we're also going to be taking a look at some of the more interesting and informative accounts before looking at the craft itself. We're going to start with Fox 6, the final witness of the craft over the lake. Fox 6 was traveling north on the Klondike Highway and noted a red light on her dashboard. When she traced the origin of the strange reflection to the north-northeasterly sky, she noticed that an enormous craft with many multicolored lights were lining its surface. It was at this point that the dashboard lights in her car and music coming out of her speakers began to act strangely. It was as if the vehicle was losing power, so she pulled over to the side of the highway and watched the craft until it disappeared in the eastern sky. Once the craft was gone, the car went back to perfect working order, and once again, she continued down the highway to CarMax, where she relayed her experience to the local RCMP. So here again, we see another electrical disturbance in relation to this craft. Later you know, on, it reminds me a lot of that movie that, from you, that you're, the way you're describing everything, uh, did that have anything to do with, uh, what's it called, light in the sky? Fire in the sky? Yeah, fire in the sky. Uh, no, I believe that I can't remember. I think it was oh, in Mon- I think it was in Montana that okay. uh, the fire in the sky issue, the fire in the sky uh, incident happened. Yeah, I think it was much earlier. It was in the seventies, wasn't it? Seventy four or something like that. Seventy five. Seventy five. Okay, close. Yeah. For some reason, I'm thinking North Dakota as well. I don't know. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I know it was Travis Walton. I know that he was in the town just outside of a town called Snowflake, disappeared for three days. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, the, the two events are completely unrelated. They're um, over 20 years apart and way, way from, like on almost opposite ends of the continent. Well, that shows you how much I know about that. Eh, it's all right. Getting a lot of feedback okay, well, on you. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of feedback on your end, Darcy. You're rubbing your mic or something? Uh, no. Is that how is that? Is that better? Yeah, that's better. Okay, I don't know what that was. Maybe it was just the position I had in my mic. Oh, maybe. Yeah. All right. So moving on, later on in the evening, around 8.30 p.m., a brother and sister were traveling northbound on the Klondike Highway, roughly six kilometers south of Pelly Crossing. As they entered Pelly River Valley, they were treated to a spectacular view of the northern sky. These two were named Pell 2 and Pell 3 in the report, so referred to them as such. Pell 2 noted that what she saw was a line of star, or what she thought was a line of stars moving. And given that Elon Musk's Starlink didn't exist back then, we wouldn't believe how many calls I've gotten about that. Uh, Pell 2 noticed that her brother, Pell 1, was also noticing the strange light. She's quoted in the report as saying, quote, we wouldn't say anything, or we couldn't say anything to each other. We were so shocked, end quote. It was at this point that Pell 2 made an important observation. The object was passing underneath the constellation of the Big Dipper, or Ursa Major for astronomy nerds out there, and noted that the object was virtually the same size as the constellation itself. So they continued to watch the object as it drifted eastward for the next three to four minutes before disappearing over the hills of the valley. Pell 3, in a separate interview, stated that he estimated the size of the craft to be 0.3 kilometers in size and that the object had made no sound. 
Wow. Finally, we'll touch on a family of five that lived in Carmax, who were among the last witnesses that we'll cover here. The father of the family was watching television when, we, when he noticed a row of lights moving across the northern sky of his northeast-facing window, according to the reports. The father was, quote, noted as saying, quote, I thought that it was a jumbo 747, but I listened for a sound, but there was nothing, end quote. You know, I'm just thinking about this now. This sounds really familiar, and I know exactly where it sounds familiar from. Where? The last UFO episode that we did, the father of the family was watching TV when he saw Charlie outside of his window. Oh, that yeah. The, that was the UFO in Manitoba. Very similar story here. So yes. the Yeah. So the father then called for the rest of his family to come take a look at this thing. And they were all just as amazed, just as amazed as he was. Given that it was December 11th, the kids started asking excitedly if this was, in fact, Santa Claus and his reindeer. Has it ever occurred to you that maybe that maybe Santa is an alien? My son Fox asked me about this last year because he refused to believe that any human man could live over 100, over 200 years old, own flying reindeer, and travel around the world at what seemed to be supersonic speeds. He's six. His powers of observation scare me sometimes. Ah, but enough about my family. Let's get back to this family in Carmax. The family said that the UFO consisted of four big balls of light in a row and were colored red, blue, and yellow. Uh, at the left and right side of the craft were smaller lights uh, that were orange and green. They watched in awe as this craft drifted from left to right or from north to east at a low altitude. The father said that, quote, it would looked pretty low just over the trees, end quote. The family noticed, too, that the, that the craft was seemingly seeding the area. Now, in ufology, seeding is a phenomenon in which the craft is either spraying or ejecting some kind of light or smaller lights around the area. Uh, although the purpose of this behavior remains unknown, uh, what, what's interesting, though, is that these lights seem to, be, seem to almost drop from the craft from left to right on an east to north trajectory, which was the opposite of the craft's course. Now, the weirdness isn't over just yet. The family watched okay. as the UFO's lights started going out one by one. The mother stated, quote, it was like it was vanishing behind some kind of large invisible wall, end quote. Okay, that's interesting. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's kind of odd, but what's important to note here is that in the area of Pelly Crossing, at least in the at least according to the reports, the area that this thing was sighted, there are no large hills or mountains in that area that would account for this sudden disappearance. So, and also according to weather forecasts for the area of the night in question, it was at least partly cloudy with patchy ice fog. So maybe this could have had something to do with the craft disappearing, but the jury's kind of out on that one. So investigators soon learned of the strange goings-on in the area and began interviewing witnesses everywhere from around Watson's Creek to Pelly Crossing and Carmax, including the witnesses that we just covered. After sitting around and doing what I can only assume is math nerd shit, they came up with an estimate of the size of the craft. I kid, of course. They used triangulation size calculations, and that's boring, 
and would require me to explain a lot of the series of tables and graphs over an audio medium. So we're not going to be doing that because we don't want to bore our listeners to sleep. This is Canadian spirit. This is not ASMR with numbers. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, the craft, based on witness testimonies, was just as they described it. Huge. Estimates range from 880 meters to 1.2 kilometers in size. Oh, geez, that is big. Yeah, for our American listeners, that is 2,887 to 3,937 feet in size. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. As far as I know, we do not have any aircraft that can get up that high, but we'll get a little bit more into that in the what could it be section. And now, ladies and gentlemen, and Darcy, here's why this episode yeah, here's why this episode took an extra week to get out to our dear listeners. Or actually an extra two weeks at this point. We have new info on the Box Lake UFO sighting that has gone unnoticed by other investigators who have chosen to cover this topic before. Yes, I'm fucking bragging. Well, why wouldn't you? We got the information that nobody else has. How cool is that? Yeah. So I I filed a Freedom of Information uh, request to the RCMP up in the Yukon in regards to the Fox Lake UFO sighting in the Yukon territories. Now, what came back to me came as a bit of a shock because I received files from 1996 and files from 1975. What's amazing about this is that this UFO, or at least one just like it, has visited the area of Fox Lake before, 21 years and 25 days apart. Wow. Actually, yeah, I got one of the reports here. I will quote from RCMP report 75-059-685 now. Quote, date November 16th, 1975. Reporting officer, Corporal N.N. Knowles. At 5.35 a.m. this date, name redacted, telephoned this office and advised that his partner, name also redacted, had just returned to Whitehorse in their tractor-trailer outfit, and they had sighted what they felt was a UFO. And at 4.20 a.m., while flying north, or driving north, along the edge of Fox Lake on Mayo Road, both subjects are employees of the White Pass Highway Division and were hauling a load of ore to Whitehorse. The driver also advised that there were two other drivers, names redacted, who were driving another ore truck about five miles ahead of them and had also seen the same thing. At 3.40 a.m., this same, uh, this same date, this office was contacted by one, name redacted, also of Whitehorse, who felt that they had also seen a UFO over the city. Name redacted described his sighting as follows. It was as if an explosion of light had happened at first, followed by rows of red, yellow, and blue lights for a few seconds, then faded into a, t- into a tail of smaller lights, white, blue, and pink. This lasted for a total of 15 seconds at a height of anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 feet as it was east of the city, end quote. 
We also have here from the same report. This is the uh, the witness uh, eyewitness report that was attached to that uh, police document. So, quote: This comes from the driver of the or of the uh, the truck that was hauling the ore in the first place. Right. Right. Quote. I was driving a white pass company Kenworth tractor trailer outfit on the Mayo Road at about 4.20 a.m. on November 16, 1975, and at a point along Fox Lake, I noticed a small glow in the rear left view mirror. It was quite a long way above and to the rear. I cannot give any idea to the exact distance from the truck, but this object descended to about tree height, about 200 feet above the truck at a fantastic speed, and then seemed to stop at the 200 foot level and proceeded in the same direction as I was traveling at about the same speed as the truck. I was able to make out the shape of the craft. It looked like a huge aircraft without wings and possibly could look like a giant, gigantic cigar. At times, the light got extremely bright and hurt my eyes. It was like looking directly at the sun, end quote. Now, Alar- how high was this at the time, Kelly? Uh, he says now, that, that? He, he said that the uh, the the craft itself was about two hundred feet above the truck. Oh well, wow, so quite a ways. Uh, it's actually shorter than you might think, because yeah, two hundred feet. Yeah, have you ever seen the California redwood? One of the big trees, the big sequoia trees. Yep. Oh, about yeah. the about the height of that. Okay, so it's quite high. Yeah, it's still fairly high, but I mean, like, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's still kind of imposing. Yeah, oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, this thing that you can't identify moving at an incredible speed and it's just hovering above you, matching your speed, like it's toying with you. Would send a few uh, chills up my spine. Yeah, no kidding. But with this report, we see a large, bright craft with multicolored lights shaped like a cigar. Although no size of the craft is given, the driver of the White Pass truck states that the object was huge. This matches the description of the craft that was seen in December 1996 in the same area. I don't know about you, Darcy, but I kind of want to reserve a campsite uh, at Fox Lake Campground for the months of November and December of 2026. Just yeah, to see if this... Let's see if all this is uh, actually going on. We should set up an investigation out there. Yeah, I mean, like, I would love to go up there because it's beautiful looking country, but I just want to see if this thing shows up again. Yeah, for sure. That there, there's it. our next. We'll, we'll have to check that out, buddy. Yeah, no kidding. I like. I, I would love to go up to the Yukon. It's look. It's it looks like an absolutely gorgeous place, and I don't know. You're gonna have to take me to Braeburn Lodge, so you're gonna. So I'm gonna have to try out one of. Steve's uh, cinnamon buns too. They're good. You won't. You won't be sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So with that bombshell dropped, we're gonna take a short break, and we'll be back. Right. Who the fuck are you? How the fuck did you get into my house? You've insulted Vladimir Putin for a last time. Oh, where am I? Clouds. Beautiful music. Pearly gates. Oh shit, that Russian guy must have shot me. Oh, oh, that guy by the gates. Th- that must be St. Peter. Hey, 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 say, hey, St. Peter. Um, um, yes, yes, my son. Uh, Kelly McMillan, um, reporting for heaven, sir. 
Alright, one second, one second. Let me take a look at this book here. Oh. Oh. Something that all sucks. But yeah, I'm Kelly McMillan oh. reporting for hell. kicked out of heaven and hell. This is a new low for me. So, what's next? Purgatory? I don't know. Oh. The elevator's come to a stop. Is that my recording studio? Well, I guess I can just step right into it? Huh. That was weird. I must be off my meds again. So let's move on to what could it be? Just a bit of a note for the listeners. Darcy had to go at this point. Somebody showed up at his door. So I hope it wasn't the men in black. Uh, so the first thing that jumps into my mind that is at all in the earthly realm is a technology that at one, at one time was really popular. But after a certain disaster in May 6, 1937, became less popular. But in the last 30 years has made something of a resurgence. I am, of course, talking about dirigibles, blimps, zeppelins, airships, whatever you call it. Now, this isn't just because of the recent misidentification of the Goodyear blimp in New Jersey, but because there have been some big-ass airships that have been used in the Arctic region over the last 30 years or so, including the largest dirigible ever built, the Airlander 10, a blimp that holds 1.3 million cubic feet of helium, can reach altitudes of 16,000 feet, and can stay aloft for up to five days. However, like I always do, I'll pick apart my own theory here. A dirigible has never and probably will never be as large as the object that was seen over Fox Lake in both 1975 and 1996. It's only a tenth of the estimated size of the UFO, and let's face it, dirigibles are loud and really slow. And from the White Pass driver's own testimony, the craft that was seen in that case must have been traveling in excess of 100 kilometers an hour or 60 miles per hour. So I think that we can put the Zeppelin hypothesis to rest on this one, much like the Hindenburg. Overall, I think that this 
like the Charlie Red Star mystery, will remain just that, a mystery. Until we learn of a top-secret military craft that's thousands of feet long, and they've somehow managed to keep top-secret for all this time. Or until we can confirm that alien life exists and visit us on a regular basis in gigantic spacecraft. However, I, for one, am reluctant to dive into the idea that this was some kind of alien mothership, because quite frankly, to say that we can accurately label this as alien spacecraft would, would imply that we have definitive knowledge of what kind of vehicles that extraterrestrials pilot. And for that, we absolutely need to confirm that aliens are already visiting our planet on a regular basis, and we simply don't have that. So, at least in my little skeptical mind, you get guys like Stephen Greer saying that, oh, well, I, I know exactly how many alien species there are and what kind of spacecraft and things like that that they pilot. Don't listen to those people. Until we get definitive hard evidence that isn't some guy just waving a bunch of papers in the air going, I have the documents, but you can't see them. No, you can't. Those documents are mine. You can't look at them. You can't look at my documents. Don't believe these people. All right. With that out of the way, Darcy's no longer here, so I'm going to be posting this onto the Canadian Spirit Twitter. It is, of course... Ladies and gentlemen, the question of the week. How big is too big for a cinnamon bun? So that's it for the Fox Lake UFO sighting. I think that we've learned this week that if you are into novelty-sized pastries, UFOs, or fishing for Arctic grayling, then Fox Lake in the Yukon Territory is the camping destination for you. So until next time, you can get in contact with us here at Canadian Spirit by reaching out on Facebook, facebook.com slash spiritgp, on our Twitter account at spirit underscore Canadian, our email, spiritinstitutegp at gmail.com. And finally, you can leave us a voice message that we will share on a future episode at anchor.fm slash Canadian Spirit slash message. You could, but you won't because nobody ever does. Finally, you know, if you want, I'm not saying you have to. I'm going to act real passive-aggressive about this one. It's totally okay if you don't leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or any of your plat podcast platforms of choice to, you know, allow us to reach new listeners who are, you know, just missing out on this madhouse of our own creation. So tune in next time. To listen to us as we try to wrap our big, dumb, white men tongues around a creature whose name that we will... Well, no, this isn't one that we're going to be butchering at all. This thing has a fun name. This bizarre cryptid from New Brunswick. The Ugwug. So, until next time, I've been Kelly. He was Darcy. And this has been Canadian Spirit. Good night, everybody. That's all for this episode. Special thanks to Torin for our music. Zach Black, that's me, for voice work. All of our sources we used for this episode. And you, our listeners. For more information on the Supernatural Paranormal Investigations and Research Institute, visit us on Facebook at facebook.com 
slash spirit gp we'll see you in two weeks <laughs> <laughs>